Good morning, Redeemer. It's good to see you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Twice a year, we have Children and Youth Sunday. What an incredible opportunity it is for us to consider two of the most underestimated things in all of our lives. The capacity of children to understand and the power of the Holy Spirit to change hearts. Two of the most underestimated things in the world, the capacity of children to understand and the power of the Holy Spirit to change hearts. So if you would, keeping this in mind, let's open to Revelation chapter 22. The last chapter of God's Word. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Over the past three Children and Youth Sundays, stretching out of a course of two years, we've done a four-part series called Rivers of Living Water, looking at the provision and presence of God that He provides for us. And that the image of Scripture, over and over and over again, is that the provision and presence of God comes to us like a river of living water. And what we've seen is that this river of living water is the Holy Spirit with us and for us, cleansing us and giving us life. And here is the river once again in the final chapter of God's Word. The Holy Spirit, this river of living water, changes the landscapes of our lives as it flows through the contours of redemptive history in God's Word and even now. So we've seen that this river is in the law, the first five books of the Bible. It's in the prophets. It's in the Gospels when Jesus stands up and says, If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now we see it in a vision of home. One day, someday, when we will be in glory with our Savior in heaven. So, if you would, before we turn to God's Word, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would sanctify your church. That you would cleanse us by the washing of, with water, with the Word. Heavenly Father, as we talk about our need for the Holy Spirit today, none of us needs you more than me right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your Word and not through me. I pray that you would bless this people with the gospel. And it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Revelation chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. This is God's Word. So first, look with me at the source of this river in verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. Now don't breeze past this. Where is the river of life coming from? Its very source is the throne of God. God the Father and the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. This is the source of the river. There's a hymn that's sung by a few other church uh, traditions. It's a hymn by Robert Lowry, and it's called Shall We Gather at the River? And in the, the hymn, Shall We Gather at the River, he, had, he says, uh, Shall we gather at the river flowing by the throne of God? Now, you may think that you're straining out a bit of a gnat here, being very particular about this. But there's a huge difference between the river flowing from the throne of God and flowing by the throne of God. Friends, this isn't just a picturesque, beauty, beautiful 
Like, won't heaven be wonderful? This isn't a Thomas Kincaid or Bob Ross version of glory. We'll just add a happy little river here. Won't it be nice? This is showing us the very source of the river. God the Father and God the Son. This must not be lost on us. That This is a picture of the very royal presence of God. So in light of John 7, which I just referenced, when Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, John tells us in that passage that Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And that Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. God kept His Word, He sent a helper, and He changed the very fabric of reality. Friends, this river of living water that we see proceeding from the Father and proceeding from the Son is the Holy Spirit, a picture of the Holy Spirit transforming all things. Now, it may be surprising. We know that the Spirit is a gift of the Father, but we see the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Lamb of God, from Jesus Himself. Think about John chapter 20, when Jesus breathes on His disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit proceeding from God the Father and God the Son. This is a picture of Trinitarian cooperation for the renewal of all things. The changing of reality. And what the new heavens and the new earth can and are becoming and will be. The source of this river is that we are called by our Heavenly Father into salvation. We are rescued and redeemed by the Lamb our Savior Jesus, and we are sanctified, washed, and brought to life by the Spirit. Flowing from the work of the Father and the Son and their desire and call and mission to change the world, to rescue us, the agent of change, the means of change, is none other than the Holy Spirit Himself, God the Holy Spirit. And here in glory we see that it's in the ruling the dwelling place of God, His very throne. The way it was meant to be in the garden when God was with His people, walking with them, that's the way it will be one day. The throne is in the midst of them. And from that throne flows the Holy Spirit. So friends, there's only, there's only one thing I ask of you today. My hope today is that we would all gather at this river. And I believe this text gives us two great reasons to gather at the river. We gather at this river because this river grows. And we gather at the river because this river heals. Gather even this morning, not just one day someday, but right now. Gather at the river because this river grows. Gather gather at the river because this river heals. And my hope is that we would try and find true healing for our weary souls. But not only healing and growth for our weary souls, but for this whole world. For this whole weary world. So first, gather at this river because this river grows. Look with me at verse 2. Notice that the river is flowing through the middle of the street. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The tree of life is here. One of the most beautiful things about Scripture is that the epilogue of the story reflects the prologue of the story. The beginning reflects the end. We've said this before, but we'll revisit. Genesis begins with creation. And then it moves to a wedding of Adam and Eve. And then we see a curse. 
where sin and death enter this world because of our disobedience. But then look at the last few chapters of Revelation, friends. Do you see it? The curse is reversed. Satan is conquered. Then we see a wedding, right? Christ and his bride. And scripture ends here in Revelations 21 and 22 with a new creation. These bookends of scripture show us what this story is all about. Paradise lost and paradise regained. But friends, look, the tree of life is not only here again for us in glory, but it's gotten even better. Notice that the tree is on either side of the river. This is not just one tree, singular. This is almost picturing a whole grove of trees. Not only is it fulfilled, but it's escalated. It's even better. The image of eternal life for Adam and Eve, which was inaccessible to them for so long, guarded by the angel as they were sent out from the garden, is now here and accessible for those who belong to Jesus. And a river runs through it. Now, Steve just read from Ezekiel chapter 47. In April, we we mentioned this briefly, but Ezekiel 47 shows us a remarkably similar vision. He just read that water was flowing from the temple and it was ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. And the tree was growing there as well. Water flowing from the temple. Verse 9 of Ezekiel 47 says this, Everything lives where this river flows. Friends, it seems obvious to say this, but what we know here is that this river leads to growth. This river grows things. God's very present is the reason for growth and the requirement for growth. The very presence of God, the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in His lives. And we see this in uh, Galatians chapter 6, right? Paul talks about the activity of sin, and what word does he use to describe the activity of sin? It's the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. But then when he moves to talk about the activity of the Spirit, the language shifts. It's not the works of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Those things that grow when God is with us by His Holy Spirit. The Spirit grows things. Consider also Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Listen to this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Now, you wouldn't know it from the past couple of days, but this drought this summer was pretty rough for many of us. My front yard, I don't have a big yard, but there are tons of trees. There were about 20. We're down to about 17. I had to cut some. Some of them died. But on the front corner of our lot, we have a bunch of azaleas that were planted by the folks who lived there before we did. And I love it, but they're, it's so hard to keep them alive. A couple of azaleas, a couple of dogwoods, and a giant pine tree that sucks up all the water. And so this summer, it felt like Kristen and I were out there with the sprinkler all day, every day, trying to keep everything alive. But also what's happening on the front corner of our lot is there's this ivy and this ground cover that grows up and around the azaleas. And I went out there when I first moved into the house, and I thought everything looked great because I look out and I say, it's green, right? It's healthy, it's right. And then I go to one of the azaleas, and it's completely engulfed in ivy. And so... 
at least once a year, I have to go out there and pull all this ivy off of my azaleas and clear out all the ground cover from around it. And you can ask Kristen, I'm horrible at keeping up with the yard, so I didn't do it near enough. Angela can tell you I'm horrible with keeping up with my yard. She tried to help us plant some things. I killed all of them. So I pull off all the ivy, but it keeps coming back year after year after year. I remember one time that it was so bad over multiple azaleas that I was about to go crazy. I'm pulling off this ivy, and after a while, I can't tell the difference between what is the healthy growth and what is the unhealthy growth. I can't tell what is azalea and what is not. Because the ivy, it's just, the leaves were just a little bit thinner, a little bit longer. Not only did they need water to grow, but they needed to not be choked out by these weeds, by this unhealthy growth. And over time, the more it intermingled together, I couldn't tell what was good, what was good from what was bad. Friends, isn't that true in our lives as the thorns and thistles of sin grow? Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between what is good growth and what is bad growth. We're, like me, when we look at it, we're like, well, it's green, so it must be good. But friends, true growth and healing originate and find completion in the Holy Spirit. And where this conflicts with us is the painful realization that not all growth and healing comes from God. Not all growth and healing comes from God. We must consider the source. Look at the text. The tree of life is there and it's connected to the source, the throne of God and the Lamb by this river, by this street. Paul warns us to consider our sources, to look at these things. What is giving me life and why? Paul in the epistles, not here, John in Revelation. What is giving me life and why? Where is my growth coming from? How am I seeking to grow? In 2 Timothy, Paul warns us to avoid those who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. Like my azalea that is bright green but dead. This year I went out to clear off the ivy and I pull off the ivy and that azalea is gone. And with one tug it came right out of the ground. Paul says, avoid those who have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. And he says, avoid such people. Friends, avoiding such people is particularly hard when such people is me. Avoiding such people is particularly hard when such people is me. When we have the appearance of godliness, but we deny its power. What does that look like? When you and I believe that we have arrived, that we are mature, that we have been there, done that, that we grew up in Sunday school, or maybe we didn't, but we still believe that we're there. Folks who believe that they're there, that they're healthy, that they're grown, will have no more desire for spiritual growth. Why would you? You've arrived. You've got it. How sad to come to that point. And the evidence of this in our life, and I don't know who said this initially, evidence of when we've done this, when we're no longer relying on the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in Scripture, but relying on our own growth and our own goodness, is when we, and how does it, it goes something like this, when we use Scripture the way a drunk uses a lamppost, more for support than for illumination. You get the image there? We use Scripture the way a drunk uses a lamppost, more for support than for illumination. 
When we have something that we want to say and we can find something in Scripture that will match up, and here we are, here I am as a preacher, a huge temptation to have an agenda, to have something that we want people to know, that I want people to know, and to bend Scripture to make it fit. But we're all tempted to do this, right? To search the Word, to find something that matches up with what we already believe. But the children of God never stop growing. They never stop maturing. Because they are wholly dependent on the Holy Spirit to illuminate them. Which is what the lamppost, the Word of God, was intended to do all along. We grow because the Father and the Lamb chose to free us from the penalty of sin, right? And now the Holy Spirit, flowing from that, frees us from its power. The Father and the Lamb free us from the penalty of sin, and the Holy Spirit, given to us as a free gift, frees us from the power of sin and grows us. Friends, we are offered communion with God as our source of life and growth. We are meant for dwelling in the house of God. One day, yes, in glory, but even now. Dwelling in the presence of God. And the way we dwell in the presence of God is the Holy Spirit uniting us to Jesus. The Spirit works faith into us. The Spirit convicts us of sin. The Spirit enlightens our minds to the knowledge of Jesus and love for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit renews our wills, the the very things we desire, the very things we want, and the very things that we do. Not a force to tap into, but the very person of God dwelling in us and with us, guiding us. As we seek the source of this river, our roots grow deeper and we grow in grace and bear fruit, don't we? We bear fruit. Consider Luke 3, 8. Jesus says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus says over and over that you know a tree by its fruit, right? You know an apple tree is an apple tree because it makes apples. You know a tree by its fruit. If, we, if Jesus says bear fruit in keeping with repentance and you know a tree by its fruit, you know a Christian by repentance, don't we? We know a Christian by repentance. Friends, the Christian life will be marked by failure and struggles with sin. There is no perfection in this Christian life which is why the Christian life must be marked by repentance. If there is no struggle, if there is no repentance, if there is no putting to death the sin that so easily entangles us, we have a reason to ask, friends, has the river flown through here? Has the Spirit been working in this heart? If there is no repentance if there is no sorrow, if there is no struggle at all. To believe is to be imperfect. We will not achieve perfection and freedom from sin because, yes, we've been freed from the penalty of sin, we've been freed from its power, but we have not yet been freed from its presence, have we? It is here with us, in us, around us until this day that we're reading about one day. 
Friends, you need to hear again and again and again that Jesus loves you as you are, and he also loves you enough not to leave you where you are. So gather at the river. Walk in the Spirit to grow, to be washed and watered in communion with God. What does this look like? It's going to begin with confessing your sins. Confessing your sins, that process of the Holy Spirit weeding our hearts of what does not belong. The thorns and thistles that infected this garden and will be there until the garden is returned. Confess your sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But keep growing, friends. And the way that we grow is repentance and faith. There was a man who put out um, some Christian music and it was received with some skepticism because of this man's previous sinful life. The music or the song was Amazing Grace and the man was John Newton. Who did you think I was talking about? John Newton was a slave trader. He was a captain of a slave ship, and he came to faith. And I'm sure when he became a Christian and put out this music, many people doubted whether it's valid because of how sinful and horrible a man he was before his conversion. But listen to what he says about his conversion. It's actually the reading reflection in your bulletin if you want to follow along. Unbelief and a thousand evils are still in our hearts, though their reign and dominion is at an end. They are not slain nor eradicated. We cannot absolutely conquer these evils, but it becomes us to be humbled for them. We are to fight and strive and pray against them. We must wrestle, which is the closest and most arduous kind of fighting with our foes. Nor can we well expect to wholly escape wounds. But friends, look at this. The leaves of the tree are provided for their healing. The captain of our salvation is at hand and leads us on with an assurance which might even make a coward bold that in the end we shall be more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is a man who put out some Christian music and it was received with some skepticism because of his past sinful life and public persona. The album, which dropped on Friday, is called Jesus is King and the man is Kanye West. I want you to listen to what he says about his conversion. This is from Hands On in the recent album. I deserve all the criticism you got. If that's all the love you have, that's all you got. To sing of change, you think I'm joking. To praise his name, you ask what I'm smoking. Yes, I understand your reluctancy, but I have a request, you see. Don't throw me up. Lay your hands on me. Please pray for me. Is there anything that we can do for a recent convert besides pray for them? Is there anything that you and I can do for one another knowing our struggle against sin and how ongoing it is? Whether it's John Newton or Kanye West, and I'm not comparing the quality of music or the lasting impact on the church of Amazing Grace and Kanye's recent album. Please don't mishear me. But whether it's John Newton or Kanye West, we have no business questioning the validity of another person's confession of Christ. All we can do is, like in Luke 15, rejoice with the angels when one sinner repents. All we can do is rejoice with the angels when one sinner repents. Friends, who is too morally questionable in your own mind for the kingdom of God? 
that they are beyond hope. In 21st century Western Christianity, we don't really question conversion as much, but we would question, so let's ask it a different way. Who is not vulnerable enough for the kingdom of God? Who is too inauthentic for the kingdom of God? They have not achieved that level of awareness that they are acceptable, that they have truly come to faith, that Christ loves them stronger than they can ever love Christ back. Is the Spirit enough, friends? Is the Spirit powerful enough to change that person? We complicate Jesus' message so much when what he said was repent and believe. The whole of life, the whole of the Christian life is turning away from our sin and coming to Jesus. And we do that through the Holy Spirit. So next, come to the river. Gather at the river because this river heals. Look with me again at the end of verse 2. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. This shows us why this river flows and why this tree grows in the first place. What's the purpose? It's for the healing of the nations from the curse of sin and death. Friends, Revelation 21 and 22 is a picture of the cosmic renewal of all things, not the ethnic renewal of all things. Israel thought it would be just for them. And they would be shocked by what happened at Pentecost. They would be shocked by the words of Jesus. They would be shocked by this passage. Look back, well, you don't have to turn there, but when, when Steve read Ezekiel 47, Ezekiel says the leaves of the tree were for healing, full stop. There's no doubt that those reading in Israel in that day would have assumed that the healing would be for Israel, right? God's chosen people. But what does it say in Revelation 22? The leaves of the tree were not just for healing. It's for the healing of the nations. Consider Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Just as Elijah went to the widow at Zarephath and not to Israel, just as Jesus served the centurion, and just as Paul rebuked Peter for withdrawing from the Gentiles, the healing that flows from this river and grows from this river is meant to go out. Beyond these walls, beyond us, the leaves of the tree, which is the growth of the river, is for healing blood-bought children from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Yes, this healing is for you. Yes, this healing is for your marriage. Yes, this healing is for your soul. But look around, friends. We're all Gentiles here. We are only here because the levees broke and the river flooded the world, right? We are only in this room by the grace of God. Now, He opened the floodgates so that we could be healed We are here. If then we have so great a healing through this Holy Spirit, how could we be cold-hearted? How could we covet this healing for ourselves, for those who share our concerns, or share our culture? 
How can we hold it for ourselves? In the new heavens and the new earth, we see a temple where the people of God dwell in perfect blessing that was meant for the garden. The peace that Adam destroyed, Christ is, not just will be, but is restoring even now, healing the wounds of sin and death forever. We sing it at Christmas time, but we need the message of joy to the world all throughout the year. This, the middle verse, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. This is what the Holy Spirit is even now doing in our world. Where there were once bloody clothes covering Adam and Eve and a guardian angel blocking the way to eternal life, Christ has now made into a watery road to the living God. Friends, do you hear me? Where we were once barred from the garden and could never approach the tree of life, Christ has opened up and made into a watery road directly to the presence of the living God. And he does it through the Spirit. So friends, if you belong to Jesus today, gather and gather again and again. The Spirit is your helper. He is your seal, marking you as belonging to God. He is your guarantee for eternal life and grace and peace. But if you've not found the source, if you've not found this growth and healing in the Holy Spirit, you still stand before a guarded entrance. You still stand apart from God, kept from eternal life, suffering an invisible curse that keeps you from God. But friends, the leaves of the tree are for healing for that. The way is open now for you if you come to Christ and are healed by that Holy Spirit to grow in Him. Friends, the leaves of the tree were not for helping us come to terms with brokenness until glory. The leaves of the tree were not for our coping. Yes, sin will be with us until that day, but the Spirit is not our gift for healing then. He is given for our good, our wholeness, and our holiness now. Consider Romans 8.13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Friends, today I am asking you to look to the Holy Spirit for what you need. To some, this will sound like foolishness. To some, this will sound like utter foolishness. We react like Naaman did in 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was a pagan king who was stricken with leprosy. And as his skin and his body wasted away, one of his servants told him that Elisha may be able to help. And so he goes, and Elisha doesn't even come out to him, but Elisha sends a servant. And the servant says, wash in the Jordan seven times. And do you remember how Naaman reacted? He's like, I have better rivers where I come from. Why would I wash in that nasty river? His contempt for God's means of healing led him to mock the river that God provided. And yet, brought to the end of himself, washed and healed, the miracle here, the greatest miracle, was not just his changed skin. It was his changed heart. Because after he dipped in the river and he was healed, Naaman said this, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Friends, why is the Spirit our hope for growth and healing? 
Because it's our means for union with Jesus. Look at the image of the text. The source is the Father and the Son, and the, whole, the, the river of life, the road that leads to the tree of life, is our access, our direct connection to Jesus. The Spirit unites you to Jesus. Sin disconnects you. The Spirit connects you to God the Father and to His Lamb. Friends, we frantically search for all kinds of means to heal our broken hearts and lives. Mike Campbell was the pastor here at Redeemer for 10 years, and he used to talk about practical atheism, where we acknowledge God with our mouths, but if you look at the way we actually live our lives, it's very unspiritual. We act and live as if God does not exist, as if we do not really need his help for growth and healing. And what this results in is what we see all around us, which is a results-driven, pragmatic culture, right? Well, if it works, then it must be good. As many of you know, in the past year, I've graduated seminary and gone through the rigorous process of ordination in our denomination. I'm really thankful for that process, and I'm even more thankful that it's over. And many of you have asked me, like, what does life look like now on this side of seminary? And I've told many of you this. I'm just relieved to not feel like a divided man. And, and many of you who are pressed on all sides know this feeling, where you feel like work, school, family, and all the expectations of life are pressing in on all sides. And you can't give to any one of those things what you want to give. Does that make sense? Nod your head if you kind of get that feeling. You've been there. Okay. Not alone. So after seminary, I realized, okay, well, I don't have a whole lot of new time on my hands, but how do I want to do this? I realized that there were a lot of things that needed attention. There were a lot of things that needed work. I wanted to be a better husband to Kristen. I wanted to be a better father to Alex, Jackson, and Ruthie. I had not been taking care of myself, so I started running. People have asked me if I enjoy running. No. <laughs> I hate it but I do it. Uh, I've leaned into the friends who have been with me all the way through seminary, through thick and thin, and, and, and spending more time with them than I have been able to spend. And all these things have been wonderful. I commend them to you. All these things have made me happier, and they've made me healthier. But friends, what I realize is that these things may be making me happier and healthier, but not one of them can make me holier. Not one of them can heal me. As a seminarian, I could pound out the study of God's word or study it to bring it to you, but was I communing with the living God myself, broken in prayer and study before him and his word? All these things could make me happier and healthier, but only the spirit of the living God can make me holier and heal me. And holiness is what we need to approach a holy God. Holiness is what we need to approach a holy God. And friends, Christ went on that tree of death so that we could gather, grow, and heal around the tree of life. Do you hear me? And it's the Spirit of God, it's the river of living water that brings us there. Christ went on the tree of curse so that we could gather around the tree of blessing. So today, friends... Look to the Holy Spirit, not only for what you need, but for what this world needs. 
for what your neighborhood needs, for what this city needs. If the leaves of the tree were for the healing for the nations, share this good news with those around you. Bring them in. Do not covet this for ourselves and for our own soul's sake. One day, I hope to wade into this river. Ezekiel said that it's deep enough to swim in. And I hope to be there with you. I hope to enjoy it with you. On Children and Youth Sunday, can we desire anything more than our children would love the truth, that they would know Jesus, and that we would see them there gathered around that river as we share the gospel with the kids of our church members and our community. I want to see people in heaven because of what happens in this church, and I believe that's the case. And I hope to see it more and more. But for now, may our posture of prayer be more like the tax collector in Luke 18 who said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need cleansing and I need new life. And maybe, just maybe, our prayer can be more like Kanye in his song, Water. When he says, your love is water, pure as water. Jesus, flow through us. Jesus, heal the bruises. Jesus, clean the music. Jesus, please use us. Jesus, please help. Jesus, please heal. Jesus, please forgive. Jesus, please reveal. And then in another song called Selah, everything old shall now become new. The leaves will be green, bearing the fruit. Today you're invited to take this living water as a free gift. Look with me towards the end of God's word. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who desires take the water of life without price. This living water is free because Christ paid the greatest cost for it and gives it to you. So come to Jesus daily. Grow in the spirit and find growth and healing for your soul, for this church, for this city, and for this world. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are laid desolate in humility and courage at the thought that you have given us yourself in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us by your spirit, through your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do that in us and through us. I pray for those in this room who have not yet come to the fountain of life. Redeem us, renew us, give us life. Thank you for the freedom that we have to go out into this world with healing, with a message of healing. And we know that it is not our work, it is not our words that do the healing, but it is only you working behind the scenes. So Lord, give us courage, give us grace, and thank you. And it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen.